Hey, we'd like to welcome you back to our fourth and final part of our teaching that we're doing on the pharmaceutical industry, pharmacia, sorcery, witchcraft, the whole ball of wax there. Uh, this teaching was done on 9-28-08, and uh, we're going to go ahead and continue with the article that we were quoting from before, entitled I.G. Farben, A Major Player in the New World Order Corruption. Starts out by saying the Dow Chemical Company transmitted its experience and technology in the same period that we had just been talking about. Germany's two largest tank manufacturers were a company called Opel, a subsidiary of General Motors or J.P. Morgan, General Motors, yeah, GM, and the German subsidiary of the Ford Company. So understand, I mean, we've got all kind of 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 modern-day companies that, that we don't think anything of today, they were, they were absolutely in cahoots with, with uh, all this corruption. Even with the purchase of oil from non-German sources, the major supplier of oil was still the Farben cartel. So in 1941, when cylinders of Zycon B, the deadly cyanide-based extermination gas made by IG Farben, when these were lethally unvalved on inmates at Auschwitz, Bitterfield, Walfen, Hoist, Agfa, Ludwigshafen, and Buchenwald, there were more than substantial links between the huge American technology and the German manufacturers. Okay, that's another source. Uh, that was from Fluoridation, Mind Control of the Masses by I.N.E. Stevens. Now, then it goes on to say, the Bush, the Bush's... Um, Firm originally was known as W. A. Harriman and Company. And this is the George Bush. This is the Bush family. Okay, the president of America. The link between Harriman and Company's American investors in Thyssen started in the 1920s through the Union Banking Corporation. The Union Banking president was George Herbert Walker. Walker made Prescott Bush vice president of W. A. Harriman. Union banking became an out-and-out Nazi money laundering machine. Now, this is well known. The 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 links between uh, George Herbert Walker, Prescott Bush, and the Nazi regime. If you do any kind of research, okay. Some say that Bush specialized in British investors in Nazi Germany, while Walker handled the Americans. Harriman and Co- Company merged with the British American Investment Company to become Brown Brothers. Harriman. Prescott Bush became one of the senior partners of the new company in 1934. Walker um, arranged to put his son-in-law on the board of directors of Union Banking. Walker, meaning George Herbert Walker, also set up a deal to take over the North American operations of the Hamburg America line, a cover for IG Farben's Nazi espionage unit in the United States. The shipping line smuggled in German agents, propaganda, and money for bribing American politicians to see things Hitler's way. Now remember, Hitler was the man of the year on Time magazine in like, I was, it was like 1931, I believe. He was the man of the year on time, on the cover of Time magazine. Okay, so, I mean, it wasn't like Hitler was always vilified, okay? He was the same person, okay? But just just to let you know, to give you a little bit of um, background there. So the, the holding company was 
George Herbert Walker's American Shipping and Commerce, which shared offices with Union Banking. In an elaborate corporate paper trail, Harriman stock in American Shipping and Commerce was controlled by yet another holding company, the Harriman 15 Corp., run out of um, George Herbert Walker's office. The directors of the company were Avril Harriman, Burt Walker, and Prescott Bush. Before 1932, the Nazis had conducted a vicious propaganda campaign against I.G. Farben. The Nazis had, okay, as an exploitive tool of the mighty money Jews. Now, when they say that, we're, whenever, I had a guy email me yesterday and said, you know, that, that I had sent out something recently that blamed 9-11 on the Jews. I don't blame 9-11 on the Jews. I never, if there was anything that, that I've ever sent out blaming anything on the Jews, Okay, it was because that was maybe a part of the agenda of a particular video or whatever that was put out there that maybe didn't get, maybe I, it got by my screening process. But never would I blame the Jewish race or Israel for all of the woes of humanity like some people like to do. Now, the Zionist elite or those of the synagogue of Satan, those of the Illuminati, those are like the, the, uh, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and these types of people. Absolutely, I blame on them. But understand, there's a gigantic difference between, you know, the the Israeli people and the Zionist elite that tend to control not only them, but to a large majority, the rest of the world. Okay, so please, I just want to make that distinction here, that there's a huge difference. So, before 1932, the Nazis has conducted a vicious propaganda campaign against I.G. Farben as an exploitive tool of the money money mighty Jews. In nineteen in June of nineteen thirty two, two IG Farben officials met secretly with Hitler at his home in Munich to try and end the campaign. A deal was struck. In return for election donations, remember I said that they were the major driving force behind Hitler? Okay? Without the money, Hitler could not have got to where he was at. And without the proper connections he couldn't have either. But a deal was struck. In return for election donations, Hitler halted the campaign and promised to keep tariff protection after he won power. A sigh of relief went up at Standard Oil Company of New Jersey. Why? Because they were integrally related and in cahoots with IG Farb, and that's why the collective sigh of relief went up. And uh, Standard Oil Company, which stood to lose millions if Hitler kept his world and dismantled its partner, IG Farben. But it was always about the money. It always is. The love of money is the root of all evil. So should, this shouldn't really surprise us. Following Hitler's triumph and consolidation, I.G. Farben led the way among the German corporate world, adapting itself to the Nazi ideology and purging itself of the undesirable Jewish elements. By 1937-1938, it was no longer an independent company, but rather an industrial arm of the German state and fully Nazified. Alan Dulles was pleased with clients like IG Farben. There were mega profits to be made all around. See, they, these people could care less about anything but money and power. And, and whoever has to die, that's no skin off their back. The more that die for them, the merrier. Okay, that's how they view things. They view the every death that's caused by their evil as a sacrifice to Satan or Lucifer if they're Luciferians, you know. So you gotta understand, they don't think like, Normal, uh, even a normal secular person would think, even most normal secular persons don't think this way. But they do. 
They're indoctrinated into evil. Most of these people are what they call generational Luciferians. It's a bloodline that they maintain. And and you talk about the sins of the forefather being carried to the third and fourth generation. Well, we're talking about serious generational curses being trans, transferred to their children. Okay, and this is all by design, and they're indoctrinated at a very early age, and that many of them are are um, subjected to what they call trauma-based mind control at very early ages, and and they're groomed for this. So they're initiated into the highest levels of witchcraft. So if we go further, this is a uh, uh, another article that we're quoting from here called "Pharmaceutical Terrorism," and it's by a guy named Mark Syracus. The pharmaceutical and chemical giant IG Farben attempted to shake its abominable image through corporate restructuring and renaming after World War II. Okay, And they succeeded beyond their wildest imagination. So great has been their success that the public has no idea that many of the men who were responsible for the worst atrocities known to mankind were able to carry on their work despite the demise of the Nazi regime. The story of the pharmaceutical terrorism is the story of such men which are the same men who are the most responsible for creating the modern medical paradigm that relies almost exclusively on drugs of highly toxic and poisonous natures. So again, this is kind of starting to get to where the rubber meets the road. I said all that to get to, get to the point we're getting to now, where we're going to tie all this together. These men were in control of large chemical and pharmaceutical companies well before Hitler reached puberty and were around well after his death. So we could sit here and want to point the finger all at Hitler, but we have to look at what, who is behind Hitler. The Nuremberg, um, oh, we already talked about that. By accepted legal standards, the Bayer Company of today, in fact, is the Bayer Company of World War II. As such, it is being sued by survivors of medical experiments such as Eva Kor, who with her sister survived the most terrible experiences at the hand of one of the most terrible medical monsters who ever lived, Dr. Joseph Mengele at the Auschwitz. In 1988, the pharmaceutical giant Bayer conducted pesticide experiments. Now, we've already talked about how they, how they released the uh, AIDS-infected uh, drugs for the hemophiliacs, and they infected all these people well after they knew that, that that it was tainted with AIDS. We've already... So really, there shouldn't be a whole lot that should surprise us. They were the driving force behind the, the sick, uh, torturous experiments at Auschwitz and a lot of the death camps. So really, I don't think a lot of this should surprise us at this point, okay? We're just kind of pointing out the obvious. In 1988, or 98, the pharmaceutical giant Bayer conducted pesticide experiments on humans in what was called the Inver-esque trials. Three years later, the company behind the test stands accused of breaking the Nuremberg Code. The Sunday Herald in England reported that subjects were given a single dose of a substance called Azenfos methyl, or AM, and then observed for seven days. This is just the tip of the iceberg that shows the kinds of attitudes that have always been a part of the pharmaceutical companies, like Eli Lilly, which lied about the safety of Thermarazole and Eli Lilly, the bushes are intricately tied to Eli Lilly. Okay, we don't have time to go down to that rabbit trail today, but that's also a fact. Okay, but Eli Lilly lied about the safety of Thermarazole in the 1930s and then proceeded to put its mercury based compound almost secretly into vaccines and other medical projects for decades without interference from the FDA. So they, they put thermarazole, which is a mercury-based vaccine, or mercury-based substance, into vaccines as supposedly a preservative. Why would you use mercury as a preservative? One of the most toxic substances 
on the planet. There's no even known minimal level that's safe to be exposed to in regard to mercury. And that's just one of the plethora of things of the witch's brew that they'll put into vaccinations. Just one of the many things. One of the many uh, horrific things that they put in there. Nazi doctors and scientists at Auschwitz were called the ultimate biological warriors by Dr. Robert J. Lifton for their acts of carrying out Nazism's extreme racial eugenics. Now, again, I'm quoting from a lot of MDs today and a lot of um, people, that you know, a lot of documentation that was produced from the Nuremberg War Trials. This stuff isn't made up. The tradition lives on. And many of these techniques are the same. I guess they're just probably a lot more maybe refined and maybe they're more even secretive now. All of this is important when looking for medical truth and sanity because it is exactly that which was abandoned by the pharmaceutical and the chemical giants in the beginning of the 20th century. It is a historic fact that it was the Rockefeller-Farben industrial complexes that were instrumental in fostering the chemical-based drug treatment as the basis for health care. The true and true to form that they have been the dominant adversaries against safer non-drug treatments. Okay, now again, this is, uh, I don't know how many witnesses we've already had. This is another, this is another doctor basically confirming the same thing. When Dr. John D. Rockefeller interlocked his American-based international empire with that of I.G. Farben in 1928, there was created the largest, most powerful cartel the world has ever known. Okay, that's how big this was. Okay, and just think how evil it was at the same time. Not only has that cartel survived through the years, it has grown and it has profited. We talked about the three daughters of the IG Farben whore, you know, Bear, Hoist, and uh, BASF. And they've grown to 20 times the size of IG Farben, and that was at the time of the writing. Who knows, who knows what they are at now? Okay, so, so today it plays a major role in both the science and the politics of cancer therapy. This was written by G. Edward Griffith in the book A World Without Cancer and the Politics of Cancer Therapy. Now he's another man, uh, brilliant. He wrote The Creature to Jekyll Island, which has to do with the formation of the Federal Reserve. He was the first person that I ever heard talk about this. And he's not really, uh, he's not like an MD or anything, okay? But he's a brilliant man and he, and he, uh, he brought this out in, in his book. I believe, yeah, his book is called A World Without Cancer and the Politics of Cancer Therapy. You, you can go and, and, and uh, look those books up on the internet. You can buy those and read those if you're interested in knowing more. He's going to go into this probably in much greater depth. A major reason why the healthcare industry is in such shambles is that, is that the medical establishment has allowed itself to be bought off by the pharmaceutical industry whose prime motive is profit. Eustace Mullins described very well the roots of the nightmare and how John D. Rockefeller, with the help of the American Medical Association and governmental officials, gained control of America's healthcare industry in the early part of the century. Quote, educating medical students was instrumental in their plan. Now, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this later. But see, it all starts with the, with the education that the MDs and the nurses and everybody in the medical field are getting. I mean, if you give them a corrupt foundation in regard to their education that's all they're going to ever know okay they're only doing what they've been taught it's like i explained to patients they go and they wonder why they can't ever get any of this alternative thing or why can't we start with some uh less invasive therapy other than drugs and surgery and the reason is as i, as I tell them like this i explain it like this if you go to a chevy dealership 
you're going to get a Chevy. And if you go to a Ford dealership, you're going to get a Ford. If you go to an MD, you're going to get what they got. Or the specialist, you're going to get what they got, which is typically speaking, drugs and surgery. Okay, that's what they're trained in. That's what they know. That's what they do. Okay, so that's why the things are the way they are. It always, always boils back to the foundation of things. This Houston Mullins goes on and he writes, quote, Rockefeller's education board has spent more than 100 million to gain control of the nation's medical schools and to turn our physicians to physicians of out of the allopathic school dedicated to surgery and the heavy use of drugs. Now, the way that um, G. Edward Griffith, who wrote World Without Cancer and the Creature to Jekyll Island, and that's not a horror novel, that's how the Federal Reserve was created, okay, the way that he explained it, and this uh, was essentially this, okay, Rockefeller essentially got into cahoots with I.G. Farben, and essentially what ended up happening is, is that near the, um, when, when all this happened, the medical colleges in the early 1900s were kind of in shambles, okay, they weren't really, they just weren't in the greatest condition financially in these types of things. What ended up happening is, is, is through Rockefeller and through I.G. Farben, they sent representatives, and I believe they were mostly on the Rockefeller side, to the respective medical colleges. And essentially what ended up happening was, is they would bring with them what came to be essentially like a suitcase full of money. Okay. And they would essentially show the president of the call of the medical college this money and say, would you like this? And they would, most of them would say, well, yes. He says, what do I got to do? Well, here's what we ask. We're just going to ask a few different things. We, we're going to help you update your curriculum. Now, this is how all of the medical colleges, because see, they've got to train the, the MDs in this mode in order for, they can't wait until they're already graduated. They've got to start with their education. This is why I get so mad at what a lot of times goes on in the seminaries in America, because they tend to ruin so many of the pastors, getting them to question the Word of God, telling them you've got to incorporate yourself into this 501c3 corporation. You've got to get licensed to the guilds. You've got to follow this man. You've got to do this and this, because it's always the way it's been done. You know, through your tradition, making the Word of God of none effect. These types of things. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And that make a flesh's arm and whose heart departed from the Lord, Jeremiah seventeen five. These types of things, it goes on in our modern day seminaries to a large extent as well. Goes on the same thing, the same dynamic, goes on in the medical colleges. So you've got these representatives essentially from Rockefeller putting a suitcase of money in front of the uh, respective college president and um, they're saying, okay, we're going to require a few things. We're going we're gonna, to um, we're going to update your curriculum more modernized we're going to we're going to put all kind of money into your medical college we're going to we're going to modernize now what that meant is bringing more drugs and surgery in okay um and we're going to put i believe it was like two to three people on the board of every college so in other words if they were at the highest levels and they were the ones where the money was coming from they were the ones that were essentially going to make the decisions for the college Okay? This is the reason why things are the way they are, particularly in America and elsewhere. Why things are so pharmaceutically dominated. Because what was the money behind all this? I.G. Farben, the Rockefellers, the pharmaceutical industry, drugs and surgery, which equaled reoccurring revenue. You, give, you get them hooked on a drug, they got to keep buying it. That drug has side effects, they all do. you got to keep taking more of the same drug and or take more drugs to counteract these other side effects. You create a weak, sick population that is easy to control. 
And a lot of people die in the process, too. And a lot of people make a lot of money. You understand how wicked and corrupt and evil this is? Okay, but doesn't it make sense now that we look at it? And we're not even done yet with this teaching. But essentially, to sum it up in a nutshell, that's what was going on here. So let's go further. So then we go on further. Heroin, which was originally created by I.G. Farben, was outlawed in 1924 as a prescription drug in the United States. Now, heroin was actually produced and was experimented on by the by um, the, the co- factories that were making it, and they were giving it to their, their employees. The reason it got its name heroin, you, know, you want to know why heroin got its name originally? Because when they were asking these... Um, uh, the employees, how this drug made them feel, it said, I feel like I'm the heroine in some uh, superhero movie. You know? Like, I'm, I'm the heroine, I'm the, I'm the hero, that type of thing. That's why they called it heroin. Okay? Because it made them feel that way. And then they came out and they introduced it, it they, they had the opium base and heroin as in like the cough medicines, and they were giving it to little babies, and the little babies were getting actually addicted to heroin. And they were going through withdrawals when they would try, when they would try to bring them on. Yeah, they'd sleep like a baby, no pun intended, but they were hooked on heroin. Okay, this actually did go on, and it's well documented that it went on. So if we go further, many of the horror stories that have come from this insanity, uh, have come from this insanity. Four years ago, for instance, the world was shocked by the thalidomide tragedy. When regulatory agencies in many countries approved a drug that caused damage to uh, the baby in early pregnancy. About 8,000 mothers worldwide who used this drug as a sleeping pill or as a remedy for morning sickness during the late 1950s and early 1960s gave birth to children with flipper-like arms and legs, missing fingers and toes and or organs in the wrong places. Now, I've only seen one thalidomide baby. I remember I was a little kid. I was on a plane. And they this child came in or i don't know maybe maybe they were no they were older it wasn't they were older than me but i was like pretty taken back as a little kid even seeing one of them and it was a direct result of the side effects of this drug and it happened to over eight thousand mothers and that's probably a conservative figure they're, they're babies the drug was ultimately banned in 1962 See, you can't have a drug with that flagrant of a side effect you know they're gonna have to ban that okay that's just too much Okay, that's not acceptable because it gives it gives the pharmaceutical com- uh, uh, companies a bad name, that type of thing. So this was a high-profile situation that has been repeated time and time again in more subtle ways with many other drugs and vaccines which are sold to us as safe, but again, hold hidden horrors that we just do not want to see. This is a quote from Jane Orient, who is an MD, another MD quote. She says, man does... The mandatory vaccine programs are a, quote, violation of the Nuremberg Code in that they force individuals to have medical treatment against their will. This is the mandatory vaccine programs. They're forcing individuals to have medical treatment against their will or to participate in functional in the functional equivalent of a vast experiment without fully informed consent. So again, you say, well, none of this goes on. Yes, it does. Just look at the vaccines. You get a vaccine, you're going through an experiment. You are a test subject. I personally am a test subject. I, I know I got vaccinated when I was small. But now they're, they're, they're having the, the children go through, I mean, it's so many more vaccines right now. It, it's, it's beyond the realm of reason. Okay, it's way over 20. 
And all these vaccines have side effects. Many of them are grown or cultured off aborted babies, 13 of them to be exact. I get into this in my avion flu presentation. I show you the vaccines. I go over all that. And I show you how they've been used for genocide. Okay? Which, again, it's one more depopulation tool, one more control tool, one more experimental tool. Uh, it's well known that the polio vaccines that they gave back in the 60s and the 70s were seeded with a cancer virus. And it's no wonder it was like a ticking time bomb. Now cancer is exploding all over the place. And that's one of the reasons it is exploding. Because it's like the chickens are coming home to roost. These these viruses that were seeded with these cancer viruses are, are finally coming to fruition. A lot of people are getting cancer and they can't control the cancer. Okay, because it's such a nasty variety. And a lot of it has to do with that and a lot of other reasons, a lot of other things that we're exposed to. And when you have all this stuff going on at once, this mega assault to the system, your your immune system at that point has a very low capability of being able to fight things off unless you're giving it the proper tools in order to do that. So then if we go further, modern psychology has completely failed the human race for it is excluded from the roles of the criminally insane, the psychological profiles of a group of men who control the chemical and the pharmaceutical industries, men who take it as their duty and their destiny to slowly torture and kill uncounted millions of others through slow and sometimes quick chemical poisoning. History will one day show that the people at the top and probably in the middle of these organizations are the greatest criminals that humanity has ever known, for it will be recorded that they have been responsible for the murder and deliberate poisoning and death of uncounted millions of people, including an incredible number of newborn infants. Now remember, this is a this is another doctor writing this particular article. These are his words, not even mine. I agree with them, but they're they're his words. This might seem like the most fantastic of fantastic statements you have ever read, but when you put together the whole picture, we come to see the principal organizations involved with medicine and public public health subscribe to the same philosophies and the same people and organizations involved in the extermination of millions of people. The science and philosophy of the CDC, or the Centers for Disease Control, or the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is that poisons are safe and suitable for mass consumption, and the AMA or the American Medical Association, and the APA back them to the hilt. People are gullible and have a natural tendency to believe government-approved products are safe. The people who should be locked in prison for eternity are the people who now demand proofs that known poisons are hazardous to you or your child's health. It's all backwards. you know. This, these are things that should have never, ever been introduced. And they they have the audacity to, to, you know, to come out and... and uh, you know, act like the ones that are exposing them are the bad guys. And again, one of them that call evil good and good evil. And that's what we're, we're seeing here. The general nature of evil is do not have consciousness of the effect that our actions have on the worlds of others. Thus, ignorance and evil um, can be interlinked. The pharmaceutical companies live very comfortably behind the high walls of self-images that they have deliberately created to deceive us. They portray themselves in light of Louis Pasteur, Robert Coe, and other pioneers in medicine, successfully hiding the truth of who they really are. They claim to be interested in the eradication of diseases in order to serve humanity when the truth is that they are deliberately create disease and expand their markets and profits. See, again... Disease is what drives the industry. It's not curing the disease that drives anything. It's the perpetuating of the disease through drugs, through surgery, which typically don't correct 
anything. If you think, oh yes it does, I got open heart surgery and I got my, my plaque scraped out or I got a stint put in that cured. No, it didn't cure anything. The problem's still there. All they did is reroute the problem. Okay, and you can, you can use this logic on almost every other thing that goes wrong. Well, what about a brain tumor? Had grow- well, a lot of times the reason you had the brain tumor might have been from the vaccines and all the other toxic chemicals you were exposed to that were produced by, let's say, IG Farben. Let's say it was a pesticide you were exposed to. Whatever. There's so many additives in the food, the water, the air. There's so many different ways they're trying to kill us. It's all by design is the point I'm trying to make here. The pharmaceutical industry does not act in the tradition of the protector of humanity, but in the tradition of IG Farben, a group of organized criminals willing to sacrifice countless human lives in order to maintain their profits, say Dr. Rath, we had quoted from earlier, who has filed a case against them at the World Court at The Hague. I mean, he's really a brave guy. Many are the examples, but one of the most outstanding ones is the story found with aspartame. Now, let's just talk about NutraSweet or aspartame, okay? Aspartame has been linked to a full spectrum of chronic symptoms affecting men, women, and children. Aspartame is a slow-acting poison now found in over 7,000 foods. Let me tell you something. You can't even hardly buy a pack of gum anymore and not have aspartame in it. Even the ones that used to be... I mean, you'd be much better off buying just plain old sugar gum than you would ever be having any of these artificial, and I mean aspartame, Splenda, whatever you want to call it, okay? They're all chemical poisons, every single one of them. Aspartame is a slow-acting poison now found in over 7,000 foods, beverages, and medicines, but it is known mostly as a sweetening agent in diet drinks, which are totally addictive and one of the most horrific things you could possibly put in your body. Known as an excitotoxin, along with monosodium glutamate, or MSG, Both have been linked to the neurodegeneration diseases such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, multiple sclerosis, according to the neuroscientist Russell Russell Blaylock, who is also another MD. Now, this is well known. Particularly, it's linked to multiple sclerosis. It's broken. Aspartame is broken down into lethal compounds in the body, like like, uh, wood alcohol and formic acid, which is like ant sting poison, and also formaldehyde, which is what they embalm people with. That's the three things aspartame breaks down to in the body. I don't know if you, you are aware of that. Formaldehyde, which is what they embalm people with. Formic acid, ant sting poison, and wood alcohol, which is totally lethal and toxic, particularly to the liver. That's what aspartame breaks down to in the body. It's well known. Splenda is um, uh, partly a chlorine molecule. Chlorine has all kind of horrific side effects. Um, causes um, placking of the arteries and, and cancer and all type of things. And, you know, again, they put that in the water supply. So if we go further, perhaps one of the chief problems with this substance is that internally aspartame breaks down into constituent amino acids and methanol which degrades into formaldehyde. The FDA totally lost all credibility with this product which at first it refused to approve for its consumption for obvious reasons. But then the man most responsible for this mess in Iraq, Donald Rumsfeld, was hired by G.D. Cyril, the original developer of aspartame, as the CEO and used political muscle instead of safety tests to force approval. See, Rumsfeld was the reason that a spare team got approved. It was all totally corrupt. Totally corrupt, okay? Now, who, who makes um, spare team now? I believe it's Monsanto, the pesticide company. Okay, they're the ones that, they're all interlinked with this too, Monsanto. Oh, we're going to talk about that next. In 1995, the production of a spare team reached over 13,000 tons. 
13,000 tons. Do you know how many people that's killing or maiming? And so far to date, since 1981, approximately 800 million pounds have been produced and consumed. The chief patent holder of the sweetener is Monsanto Company. Based in St. Louis, in 1967, Monsanto entered into a joint venture with, guess who, IG Farben. Oh my! Why should that surprise us? The aforementioned financial core of Hitler's regime and the key supplier of poison gas to the Nazi racial extermination program. In view of the Monsanto's Nazi chemical warfare ties and the fact that a spare team is a potent standalone poison, NutraSweet is a can of worms unprecedented in the American food industry and cast an extraordinary long shadow along, uh, across the integrity of the FDA and the medical and the American Medical Association that should have screamed bloody murder over this issue. Now, again, what Monsanto actually did is they entered into a joint venture with the Monsanto daughter companies, okay? But originally, you can still trace it back to IG Farben. The history of the product is laden with flawed and fabricated research findings, basically a barrage of blatant lies provided by a battery of independent medical researchers, all of which were biased, all of which used as the basis for FDA approval, a spare team is another deliberate poisoning of the masses. Okay, that's just one thing that we're talking about. I mean, in order to even work with the spare team in the factory, you have to wear, I believe it's like full level 3 hazmat gear, and even that a lot of times doesn't protect you. You'll still, a lot of people still die, even though they're in full uh, full gear when working with this stuff. It's that It's that horrific. Okay, so... The next and last part uh, is a part entitled Forbidden Cures and by a guy named Ken Adashi. And this is going to kind of round out everything in regard to this study. There are a number of alternative healing therapies that work so well and cost so little compared to conventional treatment that the Organized Medicine and the Food and Drug Administration and their overlords in the pharmaceutical industry would rather the public not even know about them. The reason is obvious. Alternative non-toxic therapies represent a potential loss of billions of dollars to the allopathic drug medicine and drug companies. The big three have collectively engaged in a medical conspiracy. Now the big three meaning organized medicine, the FDA, and the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, They have collectively engaged in a medical conspiracy for the better part of 70 years to influence legislative bodies on both the state and federal level to create regulations that promote the use of drug medicine while simultaneously creating restrictive controlling mechanisms like licensing, governmental approval, etc., designed to limit and stifle the the availability of non-drug alternative therapies. The conspiracy to limit and eliminate the competition from non-drug therapies began with the Flexner Report of 1910. Okay, this is where now we're going to look at the conspiracy there are to get rid of and to downgrade, to degrade and to downplay alternative medicine here. Abraham Flexner was engaged by John D. Rockefeller to run around the country, and here we go with John D. Rockefeller again, to run around the country and evaluate the effectiveness of the therapies taught in medical schools and other institutions of healing arts. Rockefeller wanted to dominate control over petroleum. Well, yeah, obviously he was standard oil. Remember, he was integrally, totally tied in with IG Farben. They were the main controlling um, stockholder in standard oil other than John D. Rockefeller himself. 
So Rockefeller wanted to dominate control over petroleum, petrochemicals, and pharmaceuticals, which are derived many times from coal, tars, and crude oil. See, they could actually derive a lot of the um, pharmaceuticals from the actual petroleum industry itself. So they were kind of coming out, you know, smelling like a rose on that one, too. He arranged, John D. Rockefeller arranged for his company, Standard Oil of New Jersey, to obtain a controlling interest in the huge German drug cartel called IG Farben. And they did kind of likewise, as we just mentioned. He pulled in his stronger competitors like Andrew Carnegie and J.P. Morgan as partners while making other less powerful players or stockholders in Standard Oil. Those who would not come into the fold were crushed, according to the Rockefeller uh, biographer. And that's a quote we just read from W. Hoffman, the report on a Rockefeller, page 24. Again, this is all referenced. And then the report that Flexner submitted to the Carnegie Foundation, this Flexner report of 1910, was titled, The Medical Education in the United States and Canada. Page 22 of the report said, quote, The privileges of medical school can no longer be open to casual strollers from the highway. It is necessary to install a doorkeeper who will, by critical scrutiny, ascertain the fitness of the applicant. All too often, politicians are prepared to enact laws that rob citizens of yet another constitutional freedom under the banner of public protection. Needless to say, Congress swallowed the recommendations of this report, hook, line, and sinker. It was decided that the American Medical Association would be this doorkeeper mentioned, and now the American Medical Association was now empowered to certify or decertify any medical school in the country on the grounds of whether that school met the AMA standards of approved medicine. Well, how did you meet their standards? Well, you had to get in, unfortunately, in bed with the Rockefellers, with the IG Farben, in order for your school to be modernized and to fall under the category. And again, one thing I did forget to mention before, that after this this money was given to these medical schools, um, they, they did pretty much what they said. I mean, they put some people that sat on the board of the, of the medical colleges, they modernized the curriculum. I mean, there, there were some advances that I guess you could view as positive. I mean, I don't have a problem with emergency medicine to save a life. But beyond that, you just cannot drug your body into good health. But at that point in time, every single disease process, they enacted a pharmaceutical protocol to deal with, okay, who did that feed? The pharmaceutical companies. And that's why they were the ones that helped train the MDs and, and they helped design the curriculum in the medical colleges because then they could... They could introduce their pharmaceutical methods, which ultimately led to a lot of times the need for surgery. Because if you suppress a problem long enough with drugs, you let the underlying problem worsen and fester, then at some point you do become a surgical candidate. Because the problem gets so bad, well now I gotta get it cut out or I gotta get it operated on. It's all by design. It's, it's all feeds into itself. So if we go further, the AMA came into existence in 1847. Its private organization of allopathic physicians, which serves the interests of its members, especially when it comes to influencing favorable legislation, it functions in every sense of the word as a union, although its members wear white collars instead of blue, giving the AMA the power over the certification of medical schools is the equivalent of giving the Teamsters Union the exclusive right to decide on the laws of interstate commerce and transportation. Is any wonder? Is it any wonder that the total number of medical stu- schools in the United States went from 160 in 1906, 
before the Flexner Report to 85 in 1920, so that's almost half, and further down to 69 schools in 1944. This is like putting the fox in charge of the hen house. So in other words, you know, they wanted, I think they wanted to reduce the amount of medical schools because they had, it was harder to control 160 and not all jumped on board. Not all of them took the money. Most of them did. Um, but by reducing the number of schools down to 69 from 160, they had a much easier way or method to control these colleges. Not surprisingly, Flexner found that any discipline that didn't use drugs to treat the patient was tantamount to quackery or charlatanism. Okay, so again, this is where we get the, the whole inception and foundation that, that any, that any disease, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't use drugs to treat the patient, although we know it's not going to cure it, well, yes, antibiotics cured my cold. Yeah, well, they also devastate your own immune system and they kill all the beneficial bacteria in your body, which sets you up to further problems down the road. It, it, it's Your immune system comes out on the other side much more weak and you have no good bacteria in the system because it's killed all the good. So now you just get sick again. So it's not even really correcting that. That's the problem with drugs. They, they all work in a similar method. Medical schools that offered courses in alternative medicine were either told to either drop these courses from their curriculum or lose their accreditation or underwriting support. So again, it was blackmail here. Okay, A few schools resisted for a time, but eventually most schools cooperated or were closed down. So they're just eliminating the competition. A similar scenario was played out in Canada. It was attempted in England against homeopathy, but failed due to the, due to the personal intervention of the royal family who had received much relief and healing at the hands of homeop- homeopathic healers in the 19th century. By the way, the AMA was found guilty of conspiracy against chiropractors in 1987. Now, I'm a chiropractor. This is well documented. They were, they have been trying to destroy the chiropractic profession for years, okay? Label us as quacks. Oh, they're dangerous. Oh, they break people's necks. Give me a break. Let me tell you what matters to an insurance company. What matters to an insurance company is how many patients are you hurting? Know how much I pay in malpractice per year? Oh, maybe six, seven hundred bucks. I pay in malpractice insurance per year. You know what that really means? It means that chiropractors really don't hurt a whole lot of people. Because if I was, my malpractice insurance would be way, way, way higher. The average medical doctor pays anywhere from forty to fifty to sixty thousand per year. And then you, when you get up into the realm of neurology and neurosurgery, you're paying three to four hundred thousand per year. And this is a big reason why medical doctors can no longer afford to carry this particular type of coverage. They have to post it on their things outside. Why? Because what they're dealing with is toxic stuff. They're dealing with the magic prescription pad that, you know, solves all woes. You can go to and he can write out the magic prescription and you can take your prescription and get it filled to the pharmacist or to the sorcerist. Oh, sorry. And then basically what ends up happening is, you know, but see, all drugs have side effects. And a lot of times drugs contradict other drugs. And and maybe you're on one medication and you take it or maybe that you're already in a weakened condition, you take a drug. There's a lot of reasons that people end up you know, having horrific things happen to them. I don't have to worry about any of that. I deal with like whole food products and things like that. I don't have to worry about this stuff. I'm not hurting anybody. I've never had a claim against me ever. Okay? Now I'm paying well like six or seven hundred a year. They're paying usually starting around fifty grand a year. The insurance companies could care less about about some opinion 
or about some thing about, you know, chiropractors or quacks or this or people that are in alternative medicine. They could care less about that. All they're caring about is cold, hard facts and statistics. And statistically speaking, the chiropractic profession hardly hurts anybody. Okay. But guaranteed, the one, the one chiropractor that, that adjusts somebody and let's say hurts them in some way, shape or form, it's front page news because they have to be made an example of. Whereas if you look at the medical profession and you take all of the, um, all of the people that die from properly prescribed prescriptions, from improperly prescribed prescriptions, from what they call nosocomial infections, which are infections you get while you're staying in the hospital, from unnecessary surgeries, from complications of surgeries. You could go on and on and on. If you add all those numbers up from the medical profession, you by far have the number one cause of death in America, by far, greater than heart disease and greater than cancer. I prove this. There's a there's a uh, presentation I've done in the churches. I haven't done it on sermon audio, and it's called "Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge: What Your Doctor's Not Telling You." And that's the first thing I go over are the hard statistics in regard to this that are totally suppressed, but they're there for the finding if you want to look. So again, that, that's just something to, to really bear in mind about this whole thing. You know. We, we're the ones, the people that are alternative medicine, and now granted, here's another thing, proviso. You gotta be real careful with alternative medicine also. Because so many, many of these people are into the new age. Oh, I'm doing crystal work, or I'm doing, you know, kinesiology, and I'm asking the body how many pills per day should I, you know, all this, I, and I did a lot of this stuff at one time. The guy that led me to the Lord, got me involved with a lot of stuff. I was became a board-certified acupuncturist. I've already done a study exposing that, based on Taoism and these types of things. I, I don't touch it anymore. I try to stay totally away from that. But unfortunately, that particular component has infiltrated into the alternative medicine, so I can't wholeheartedly say, yes, go to your alternative medicine practitioner, because most of the time, if you do that, they're into the new age. Okay, so this is why I've done... Why have my health newsletter and things of this new nature and I try to answer people's questions to try to help them, you know, to get them on the right path without getting them tied up into the new age, which is so easy to do. So medical schools, um, again, that, that offered courses in alternative medicine were told to either drop these courses from their curriculum or to lose their accreditation and underwriting support. Uh, if we go further, so the AMA was found guilty of conspiracy against chiropractic practice in 1987 by a federal judge and fine a couple of million dollars. Here in America, a relentless campaign of misinformation, fraud, deception, and suppression of alternative therapies and healers have been in place for the better part of the century in order to keep highly effective alternative therapies from reaching any significant plateau of public awareness. Control is exerted through the news items as propaganda from the pro-establishment organizations like the American Medical Association, the American Cancer Organization. Give me a break. All of these organizations exist. They act like they exist to cure things. They don't exist to cure anything. They exist to perpetuate it because that's how they maintain control and make money. Then there's the Diabetes Foundation and the local medical boards and the government agencies like the FDA, the National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, the National Academy of Science, with full cooperation of the mainstream media, of course. Over the past decades, hundreds of caring, concerned, and conscientious alternative health care practitioners have been jailed and abused like common criminals for the crime of curing people of life-threatening diseases in an unapproved manner by heavy-handed government agents who swoop down on the clinics with drawn guns, flak jackets, and Gestapo maneuvers. This does happen. 
It, I, I, there's been several instances where companies and people that do this type of, of thing, uh, particularly in America, get totally shut down. A lot of them have had to move offshore in order to keep practicing this way because in America you can't do it. If you're helping too many people in a natural way and it gets back to them, they will come and shut you down and discredit you and mount a campaign to, to just totally ruin your life. Okay, All the while, now remember, Boil it back to who's behind, who's ultimately behind all that. What was the foundation? I.G. Farben, Rockefeller, Standard Oil. We're talking people at the highest level of the Illuminati. We're talking about the sickest, most disgusting, generational witches that are on the planet, that take great pleasure in death. And these are the ones that were at the inception of this movement. And you think it hasn't permeated to what it is now? It has to have. All the while, these same agents and agencies posture themselves before TV cameras and the public under the ludicrous pretense of being servants of the people and protectors of the common good. The Medico drug cartel was summed up by J.W. Hodge, who is an M.D. of Niagara Falls, New York. He said, in these words, the medical monopoly or the medical trust, euphemistically called the American Medical Association, is not merely the meanest monopoly ever organized, but the most arrogant, dangerous, and despotic organization that ever managed to free people, ever managed a free people in this or any other age. Any and all methods of healing the sick by means of safe, simple, and natural remedies are sure to be assailed and denounced by the arrogant leaders of the AMA doctors, trust as fakes, frauds, humbugs. Every practitioner of the healing art who does not ally himself with the medical trust is denounced as a dangerous quack, an imposter by the predatory trust doctors. Every sanitarian who attempts to restore the sick to a state of health by natural means without resorting to uh, the use of a knife or poisonous drugs, uh, disease, imparts serums, deadly toxins, or vaccines, is at once... Well, let me read that again. Every sanitarian who attempts to restore the sick to a state of health by natural means without resorting to the knife or poisonous drugs, disease-imparting serums, deadly toxins, or vaccines, is at once pronounced by these medical tyrants and fanatics, bitterly denounced, vilified, and persecuted to the fullest extent. Now, that's from an M.D., J.W. Hodge of Niagara Falls, New York. That's what he says. He's able to identify that. I mean, he's obviously in the system. He knows. At long last, however, the public's consciousness seems to have finally reached a critical mass and is now beginning to seriously question the efficacy and the appropriateness of the orthodox therapies and allopathic medicine in general. Thank God it's been long too long overdue. The general approach and foundation of orthodox medicine is based on Louis Pasteur's germ theory, which is a flawed concept. A disease condition is viewed by the orthodoxy of the medical establishment as an isolated event, confined to an area in which it manifests itself. Uh, for example, an inner ear infection, an eye infection, a gum infection, a lung cancer, skin cancer. Under this theory, for unknown reasons, Microbes or tumors indiscriminately grow in the patient and must be cut out or burned out through surgery or radiation or poisoned through drugs. And these, these things must be done um, in order to treat the, the condition. In the orthodox model, the solution is sought through mechanical and chemical means, seeking to understand why the infection or the disease condition appeared in the first place. Uh, in other words, 
seeking to understand why the infection or the disease condition appeared in the first place is not seriously explored. They don't care about what caused it. All they're caring about, wow, it's a symptom. We need to treat the symptom. Okay? Skin cancer is just a symptom if you think about it. What caused it? Well, we don't know. We're just going to cut it out. Like, that's the solution. It doesn't make any sense. The quick fix, it would be like, again, I've, I've used this example before. You're driving down the road and your oil light comes on. And you're like, wow, that's a symptom. I have the solution. I'm going to take this black magic marker and I'm just going to blacken out the oil light and I'm going to keep driving. Okay? How many of us would ever do that to our car? We wouldn't, but we do it all the time to our bodies. When we have symptoms and we take drugs to constantly mask the symptoms, didn't God give us our bodies? Didn't he make us, aren't we fearfully and wonderfully made? Well, if we're getting symptoms, don't you think that body that God gave you is trying to tell you something? And is it that, yes, you need to drug your body into good health? I'm not saying that sometimes surgeries aren't, aren't necessary. Sometimes drugs couldn't be necessary for an isolated event. But to stay on them year after year and, and just to be on them as though that's the solution to health. I've just never seen anybody drugged into good health. I just haven't seen it happen. Okay, Again, I'm not talking about emergency medicine to save a life. Okay, But I'm just talking about the whole mindset here. So again, by just taking the drugs, it just allows the underlying condition to worsen. Which again is by design from the medical profession because then they can do surgery on you later or prescribe more invasive procedures as it, as it worsens. Now, a contemporary of Pasteur, Antoine Béchamp, had a different opinion as to why disease conditions took hold. Béchamp felt that the environment or the ecology or the terrain of the blood in the body played the critical role in deciding whether the disease conditions would manifest or not. This is what I tell people all the time. The body has to have the proper terrain or environment for a disease condition to form or, or any particular health problem. It has to have the proper terrain. Let's use cancer, for example. Cancer has to have the right terrain or environment to form. You can do things to make a very, to make it a very inhospitable environment for cancer formation. There's certain things you can, you can adjust with, you know, the diet and lifestyle and these types of things to make a very inhospitable environment for the cancer. Now let's reverse that. The reason that typically you get the cancer is because a hospitable environment has been created in order to perpetuate the formation of that cancer. So your body has, has for one reason or another, because of certain breakdowns, maybe in nutrition, trace minerals, lifestyle, something that you've been exposed to, whether it be radiation, chemicals, whatever, has created, or vaccines, has created a hospitable environment for cancer formation. So logically speaking, if you're going to want to go after the cancer, you're going to want to try to create the most inhospitable environment. Yeah, but that's what chemotherapy does. Yes, chemotherapy is supposedly that's what it's trying to do, but it also kills you in the process much of the time because it devastates your own immune system. Most of these drugs a lot of times suppress or devastate your own immune system which in turn makes you more dependent on the drug. And this is a big reason why people that get chemo, yes, I'm cured of cancer. How many times have you heard that? And they have it right back within a number of months or years or whatever. Well, why? Because you've done nothing to train, change the internal terrain of why you developed the cancer in the first place. In fact, now, after the chemo, after the radiation, your body's so devastated from that that, you know, you have no defenses left, it's going to reform. Now, if somebody were to get a, let's say, a benign tumor removed, that type of thing, you know, 
I'm not saying that's not, that there's not cases where that's not necessary. But again, what sets you up for the formation of that? Wouldn't have wouldn't it have been nice to have made lifestyle changes to possibly have prevented that before it ever took place? It can be done. Alternative medicine explores the stressors: environmental, biological, chemical, psychological, um, in a patient's life that cause a weakening of a particular energy field, which in turn allows the manifestation of a disease condition in a weakened area. Now, again, you got to be real careful because a lot of this gets into the new age. So you got to be careful with that. I would just rather personally work with people that are born-again Christians that have a concept of what we're talking about today. Because if I have somebody that's not a Christian, the another thing that can cause disease or things, and we can look to the Bible for this, or even disease processes are Devils or generational curses or things of that nature. And no, no amount of alternative or pharmaceuticals are going to ultimately fix that problem. That's a whole other issue there. Okay, so again, that's just something to, to kind of bear in mind. Orthodox or allopathic medicine utilizes controlled poisons or drugs in a non-lethal dosage in order to suppress symptoms in an affected area. This approach neither addresses the cause of the disease condition, nor is it responsible for the healing of the patient. Rather, the use of drugs often will temporarily mask the outer manifestations of the malady, which drives the disease deeper into the body, only to reappear at a later date as a more serious and chronic health threat. Now, this is restating what I've already stated once. It's just doing it in a different way. One of the many flaws of the orthodox approach is that it focuses on the disease condition itself rather than the patient. Do not... Oh, let's read this first. Okay, here's some opinions of leading medical doctors. Here's some more witnesses for you. This is from Richard Cabot. He's an MD, chief of medical staff, Massachusetts General Hospital. He said, quote, Every educated physician knows that most diseases are not appreciably helped by drugs. End of quote. Here's another quote. J.N. Hurdy, he's also an MD from the Indiana State Board of Health. He says, quote, There is not a single medicine in all the world which does not carry harm in its molecule. There is no medicine that does not harm. When he says medicine, he means pharmaceuticals, which is what they deal with. Okay? So, again, you could say let your medicine be your food. Okay, this type of thing. And food is not harmful. Okay, but when he's saying medicine, he's talking about pharmaceuticals. Here's another one. T.R. Allison of London, England. Uh, the degree is LRCP. And this person says drugs do not cure disease. The particular symptoms may be quieted by some drug, but the disease itself remains. End of quote. Here's another quote. William Osler, who's an MD, he says the person who takes medicine must recover, must recover twice. Once from the disease and once from the medicine. Here's another quote from, guess who? Charles Mayo. MD of the Mayo Brothers Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. He says, quote, 85% of all internal operations done today are not only unnecessary, but harmful to the future health of the patient. 85%? This is what he's admitting to? The drugless healer is one of the best things that has come into this time at the present. End of quote. Charles Mayo. So if we go further, do not assume the only difference between allopathic and alternative medicine, however, is an honest difference of opinion and philosophies and the views of the origin on the origin of the disease. 
There is true, there is in truth a concerted organized agenda, concocted, planned, and contrived by the international pharmaceutical companies and organized medicine to suppress any and every alternative non-drug therapy that works. Why? Because they want people to keep coming back for more treatments and for more drugs. Okay, again, this is reoccurring revenue, controlling of the masses, whereby we create a sick, weak, drug-addicted populace. A cured patient is a lost source of income. A cured patient is a lost source of income. Okay, I found something that within chiropractic I'll share with you. I have found that if you put the patient on a good um, uh, food-based manganese product, not magnesium, but manganese, that the vast majority of time, if I do that, if I have a patient that cannot hold their adjustments, the reason that they cannot hold is typically because they're low in the trace mineral manganese. Okay. Now again, I don't just take a synthetic trace mineral and say, here, take this, which will create imbalances. I use a, I use a product that's in a food base, Okay, has balance to it. Give them that product. Typically, all they need is one or two per day of the particular one I use. It's, it's called manganese B12 by standard process. If I put them on that, the vast majority of time, I will see them of two or three visits, and I don't see them anymore after that. Now, a lot. Of, now, not to say I'll never see them again, but a lot of times I see them very, very, very infrequently. Why? Because all of a sudden they have the ability to hold the adjustments, and this is a big reason why chiropractic tends to get a bad rap because. We're not taught this in chiropractic college. I found this out. I believe the Lord showed it to me a long time ago. It happened to me. I I, it, I could not hold my adjustments going through chiropractic college. Um, came home. The chiropractor that got me into chiropractic ascertained where I was low in manganese. I went on this product, very similar to the manganese B12. Started holding my adjustments. And I literally went from needing adjusted. I could get adjusted three times a day and never hold anything. To basically being able to hold my adjustment and, um, um, I mean, I can tune myself up chiropractically. I have a little device I use, but you know what? I rarely ever have to go to a chiropractor. And the same is pretty much true for my patients that I see. Now, this has absolutely devastated the amount of, I guess, income that I've been able to bring in because people walk away and they're cured. And it's a funny thing. When you, when you help somebody like that, they pretty much forget about it. It's human nature. It's the funniest thing. I've seen this over and over and over again. The people that get helped and cured of some problem, they a lot of times walk away and forget about it. And, and it's not to say they're, they're, you know, they would never appreciate it, but you don't hear from them again out of sight, out of mind. And this is true with symptoms. Uh, you, you have a patient fill out a symptom survey, which is a lot of times what I'll have somebody do. Fill us out. You put them on a regimen, a clinical nutritional protocol to deal with whatever they're going through. Let's say they come back in two, two and a half months, they refill it out. And, and you could even ask them sometimes, you know, hey, how are you doing? Well, I don't know if I'm that much better. And then you have them refill out the symptom survey and they have like a quarter, they have like three quarters or two thirds less symptoms now. And the ones they have are less severity. And you can take them back to the first symptom survey and say, well, hold on, you had this, 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 and this. And they have literally put it out of their mind and forgot about it as though it never happened. So you don't even get any kind of, I mean, I want to give the Lord the glory, but the but the the um, the applications and the techniques that you've used to help get them better, they tend to forget about these things. I just it's human nature, I guess. But um, because of the um, things that I know 
in regard to this, you know, um, if all chiropractors were to implement this, it's my theory, just the manganese thing alone, that they would probably have 70 to 80% less people walking through their door. It would absolutely, totally, and literally devastate the whole industry, okay? And this is why I think, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for the profession, okay? They don't know it. They're not taught it. I was shown it. I believe I was shown it by God. Um, but it's it, a tremendous sacrifice. I've walked away from the acupuncture. I've walked away from, from uh, my whole my whole patient base at that point when I walked away from acupuncture. I walked away from kinesiology because of the association with the new age and, and a lot of the other things. And, and I have literally walked away from hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the choices that I have made, but they were moral choices that I believe I had a moral obligation before God to make. Has it, you know, devastated me financially in summer? Yeah, pretty much, but... You know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to have the people, um, you know, to be walking in truth and, and to have a clear conscience. So, anyway, again, I, I'm not trying to bring attention to myself. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of my history in regard to this particular subject because it's pretty near and dear to me. If we go further, uh, it says that a cured patient is a lost source of income. This is medically speaking. A sick patient who is marginally improved is a manageable patient. See, they just want to give them a little bit of success. Now, here's another thing I've observed. Not with everybody, but with a lot of people. People that come to alternative healthcare practitioners, for some reason, expect so much infinitely more. I won't say infinitely, but so much more than they would ever expect from an MD. And yet the MDs are the ones with all the money and all the million-dollar hospitals at their disposal and all the big pharmaceutical companies backing them and the big pretty buildings and all the other stuff. You go to an MD for a cold and he gives you an antibiotic and you take it while wow, the cold's gone. Yeah, you just got it back in another two months and now I got candida to boot. I got systemic yeast in my bloodstream. And it's a never-ending cycle. And yet, that's okay. That model is okay. Oh, I went and I got heart surgery and I got stents and I got to go back in three years and get the same thing done again. That's okay for them. They'll accept that. But if they'll go to an alternative healthcare practitioner, if you don't get them better very quickly, they're gone. They're gone. You know why? Because we've come, we've come to the whole... Number one, there's a lot of brainwashing that goes along. We've, we've talked about that today. But they've got the whole Burger King mentality going on. I want it my way and I want it now. It's how, yeah, it's how you get it at Burger King, right? They want what you give them to act just like a drug. They want their symptoms gone and they want to feel better. And a lot of times you feel worse when you go on one of these protocols. Many times we have to detox the liver, we have to detox the colon, we have to rebuild the adrenals, we have to clean up a lot of toxicity, we have to kill a lot of yeast. When you do all that, you go through what they call a Herxheimer reaction. You sometimes go through a process called retracing where you will feel worse. Oh no, we can't have that. You're a quack. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm trying to tell you a lot of what my life has been like, trying to deal particularly with Americans. And I, I am I'm sorry, but for the, for the most part, that's how Americans are. I'm sure at one time I was probably like that. But this is what you run into so much of the time, uh, that particular mindset. Now, the, where did the mindset so much come from? It came a lot from the, well, hey, you turn on the commercial, you have a headache, you pop this pill, little, yellow, different, nupit with nuprin. You know, you've got all these slogans and things like this. And if you have heartburn, you take Tums. And, and if you do this, which is one of the worst things you could possibly do, 
Tums, which is an antacid. You have to have an acid gut to digest protein, iron, zinc, parasite carcasses on produce, things of this nature. When you create an, when you take an antacid, you create an alkaline environment in the gut. Your stomach was designed to operate at a pH of 1.5 to 2.5. When you create that alkaline environment, you're creating an unnatural thing. And then whatever you're going to digest does not get digested properly, particularly if it's protein and these ones that I mentioned. These things then end up not getting absorbed properly or they end up putrefying in the gut. You create a toxic environment and it's like having a backed up sewage system. would create problems in your house. It creates problems when it's in your body as well. So again, you, you could go down all these different rabbit trails. Okay, but um, if we go further, managing patients mean routine office visits and renewing the drug prescriptions. Okay, therefore, a manageable patient is a continuing source of income, a cash cow, if you will. Now, again, most people in America have no problem continuing to take their meds, and this it's as though they've got a deficiency of these things. Yeah, I've got to keep taking this medication because evidently I have a defi- I have a Tylenol deficiency in my bloodstream. That's why I keep getting headaches. So see, I correct my Tylenol deficiency by taking more Tylenol, and it keeps my headaches away. It's insane. Why are you getting the headaches? What's the cause of them? It's oh, obviously it's because you have a lack of Tylenol. Now again, this whole thing goes over into the into the alternative healthcare profession with the with the um. With the alternative health care, with the whole food substances and things like this that I deal with, a lot of times people will take something for a month or so, and, and they're like, well, I got, do I got to take this forever? Well, you have to ask yourself, does your car need good gas forever? Does, do, 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 does your body need good food and good things? Does your body need vitamin C and vitamin A and, and magnesium and manganese? Does it, is it going to need that forever to run properly? Well, if you start thinking about it, obviously the question, the answer to the question is yes. Does it need good things being put into it? And people are, for the most part, because of the brainwashing that we've talked about, when we're by, I, I, I saw a statistic once, by the time we're like the age of 20, we've been exposed to like 20,000 hours of, of, the average person's been exposed to like 20,000 hours of medical commercials on just on TV alone. Okay, so again, understand the indoctrination is very, very, very deep. And it's very hard to break free from that mindset because for the most part, most people have their whole life invested in that ideology. And they're not going to break free from it because that means I might have been wrong my whole life. And that can't be because these guys that have all this money and my MDs who I put my trust in, they've they've, they've always been there for me. And, and, and this can't be right because they would have told me. And so you have to be wrong. You, there's, there's no way that this alternative stuff can have any merit. Okay, so a lot of times that's the problem that, that you run into. So, therefore, if a manageable, a manageable patient is a continuing source of income, a cash cow, if you will, multiply that by a few hundred million people, and you can get the idea why the deceit is being put upon you. The profits from the so-called healthcare industry are absolutely staggering. The thrust of orth- orthodox pharmaceutical agenda is to provide temporary relief while never addressing the cause of the disease condition. This agenda ensures regular visits to the doctor's office and requires the patient to routinely return to the pharmacy to refill his prescriptions. This is what the game is all about, folks, plain and simple. You either stick with it or you get out of it. The choice is yours. I I can't even tell you last time I've been to an MD. I can't even tell you. I don't even remember. You know what? I'm perfectly fine. I'm not dying of something. I'm, 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 I'm way better than I ever was when I was in that model, okay? Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ healing a person, 
A patient's immune system is responsible for healing and recovery from ill health. The use of drugs and vaccines represent an assault on the immune system. In some cases, the use of a particular drug might be a wise choice to speed healing and recovery for the patient, but but the use of natural therapies and substances like whole food uh, concentrates, vitamins, minerals, and other trace minerals that can more effectively address the cause of the disease should be considered first because the natural substances work in harmony with one's own body. They aid and stimulate the body to cure itself without the terrible millstone of the drug-induced side effects. The human body is is predisposed to heal itself and to exist as a healthy and thriving as long as it is supplied with the proper tools to do so. I mean, if you put, again, if you put 42 octane in your car, your car's not going to run right. And people abuse their bodies so horrifically and unbelievably in this country. Okay? And it's starting now at such an early age with the kids getting this battery of vaccines they're they're taking in all of these of these um chemicals nutrasweet aspartame they're eating hydrogenated fats they're 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 um everything bad that you could possibly do to assault and destroy your body they're doing because they're putting their trust in this model this medical model and this bleeds over into the food industries and everything else they're putting their trust in that and they wonder Maybe the parents wonder why their children's so sick or they've got this or they've got that and then, then the use of more invasive drugs come in and these types of things. It's cause and effect. So we inhibit the process by ingesting unhealthy foods, fouling our inner environment with toxins and relying upon poisonous substances to treat disease conditions. Unlike miracle drugs and other drug breakthroughs, you will never see or hear anything from the mainstream media about most of the therapies uh, described the big three will see to that. You can still glean this information from alternative healthcare, press, books, and websites, and in health expos. But again, I have the proviso of, as a born-again, true born-again Christian, you need to be careful there as well. Some of these alternative therapies require high-tech equipment and specialized knowledge, but many, many others can be done at home without third-party intervention and supervision. It's amazing but true that many of the most effective healing techniques, even for grave, life-threatening disease conditions, are simple things that you can do at home yourself. You simply have to educate yourself and take responsibility for your own health. Now, there's a brief overview of some alternative therapies that have been demonstrated themselves to be effective and readily obtainable, usually at a low to modest cost, that are given in this presentation, but I'm not going to get into them because that's a whole other rabbit trail to go down, they are going to be present in the Word document, okay? And again, um, these are these are alternative healthcare things. Uh, a, a lot of these uh, things, you know, are, are just amazing at what you can do. Now, again, I also have the, the presentation I mentioned before, Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge, which is kind of where I give my four foundational health recommendations. Uh, I've kicked around doing that on online on the internet if there's a lot of desire for that just email me and let me know i mean i get a lot of people email me saying you need to do a teaching on this you need to do a teaching on that but i need to have confirmation from the lord before i really do anything and um not to say that what they're saying doesn't have merit it's just that there's so many right now breaking current events and things of this nature that relate to the end times and the day and times we're living in that i have to really try to do is exactly what the Lord's telling me to do, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm obedient. But in this PDF, we're going to give you a lot of these alternative therapies you can you can explore and look at. 
I can email you my presentation on Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge. Again, I'm just giving this stuff away for free. I, I'm not. It's taken me years and years and years to compile all this information. But the Bible says, freely have you received, and freely you give, and that let those among you, um, you know, th- those that are greatest among you, be counted as your servants. And I don't want to say I'm greatest among anyone, but I'm just saying we need to strive to be servants to one another. Okay, and that's what I try to be. I try to be a servant to my listeners, a servant. And as much as I can, I try to do that. I'm getting absolutely bombarded with um, questions, and uh, we're probably going to be near twenty-five to 30,000 downloads this month. Right now, the Pharmacia message from last week is at number one. Uh, I'm absolutely, totally overwhelmed at the response to go from basically nothing about a year and a half ago to where we're at now is, is unbelievable, considering that there's about 6,100 preachers on the internet on Sermon Audio, and that we're at the number one spot right now. It's not me. It's It cannot be me, because I am not worthy of that. Um, great actual fear fell upon me when I saw that ranking, because I realized that not only do I not deserve it, And apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, all I really deserve is death and hell anyway. Uh, But I also realize that to whom much is given, much is required, and that I'm in a very highly accountable position right now. Um, And also a position of, of target, of being targeted. And I don't know how long Sermon Audio will let me continue doing, you know, what I'm doing. I'm just too radical, probably, for them to let this continue forever. So, I would encourage you that if, if uh, you might want to try to download these sermons um, and, and, and do that. I'm probably going to give a, issue a, a little bit of, a, of an update on just the ministry itself um, next, maybe like a 10 minute update or whatever. I don't really want to include it with this teaching, but just wanted to give you a little overview there of what's going on. I do thank you for all your kind comments and, and, um, and um, these types of things and people that have uh, donated to the ministry. We, we really appreciate that uh, so much. And anyway, I'll go ahead and close us out in a word of prayer today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and and we love you, Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that you would bless wherever your word is being preached worldwide, God. I pray just, God, you would bless truth and that through the truth, Lord God, that you would set people free. And I know, God, that you said in your word that if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I pray, Lord God, that your truth would go forth. And that it would pierce the veil of lies that so many of us have been caught up in for so long. That you would give us hearts to hear, or hearts to receive, eyes to see, and ears to hear, Lord God. This type of information. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that that you would do this for thy glory. That ultimately many people would be liberated from deception. That even many people would ultimately end up getting saved as a result of what you would do uh, through these types of, of teachings. I pray, God, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. And as, Lord God, we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would have mercy upon us as we have mercy upon those, Lord God, that have sinned against us as well. That we would consider the pit from whence we are dug every day. That your fear, Lord God, would be upon us, would be upon those, Lord God, that need to get saved, would be against, would be upon your enemies, Lord. And I just pray, God, that, that for your continued intervention, that you would bless the body of Christ, that you would help those, Lord God, that, that you, would, you would give those that are thirsty water, 
Lord God, that, that you would give the hungry food in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would provide for all their needs, that you would bless the widows, the orphans, the innocent, the innocent babies that are in the womb, Lord God, that may be scheduled for abortions. I pray, Lord God, you'd intervene in these situations for thy glory. We love you, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.